Hi, I'm Pastor Peter Dosick, and I know that you know that. But I want to encourage you that you understand the values of your church. What is important, the first and foremost important thing about a believer's life is that they have faith. They believe in God. They believe in his ways, his counsel, his statutes, and his judgment. So, as a believer, as a member of Only Believe Ministries Christian Center, come together, let's grow in faith so we can please God and glorify Him. We believe in building strong friendships, caring for one another, and watching out for our brothers and our sisters in our church family. We also believe in nurturing relationships in our workplace and our neighborhood so that we can win people to Jesus. The love we experience in our upward connection with Christ is the love we strive to share every single day because we value relationships. It is no secret around here that one of our top values is being a rescuer for Christ. You may be saying, Nicole, I don't know how to rescue somebody. What if they're broke? What if they need mended? That's okay. If they do, you're in the right place at the right time. Remember, it's not our job to fix anyone. That's God's job. But it is our job to share the love of Jesus Christ, like someone shared with you. Share his love. Share your testimony. It'll work. Well, good evening, Only Believe. How is everyone tonight? Woo-wee. <laughs> How's everyone tonight? All right, we are here well. N night number two of Mr. Shuttlesworth. Well, I'm excited tonight. Faith is high. Expectancy is high in this place because we don't just come to sit and receive, right? We come to engage. We come to use our faith. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to welcome all the live streamers out there. All of you are part of the welcoming committee. On the count of three, we're going to say welcome so they can hear you loud and clear. One, two, three. Welcome to all the live streamers out there. We're so glad you can join us. If you can't be here with us, we are thankful for the tool of live streaming. How many have been on vacation and been able to live stream before? Isn't that amazing? Like, thank God for technology. We love that we can live stream. Also, I want to remind you, when you come to the house of God, we like to check in on social media. And some of you might say, well, why? Let me, let me tell you why. Checking in is very important because what it does is it reaches out to somebody. Because, see, here at Only Believe, we are rescuers, as you heard Pastor Nicole say. We like to reach out to someone. This is a simple way that you can reach out to somebody and say, I'm at church, and they can check church out too. And if you're on live streaming, hit that share button on Facebook and share the stream because it will hit more viewers and someone can be spoken to the gospel tonight through media, which is beautiful. Amen? And if it is your first time here tonight, there is a connect card on, in back of all the pews, a red and black card. I encourage you to grab that card, fill it out, and turn it into the Welcome Center, the big old octagon. Is it an octagon? shape out there, the big old shape out there in the lobby, uh, turn it in there, and we would just love to connect with you and reach out to you. So that is all I have for tonight for announcements. Those are all out of the way so we can praise the Lord tonight. Amen? Amen. If you would stand to your feet tonight, come on, stand on up. 
We've come to praise the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking to the apostles, and he says, don't be like those others. He said, you can, the Father knows what you want before you, what you need before you even ask. So we've got a direct line to Jesus. We've got a direct line to the Father, you know. So get your hands ready. Are you ready to do some clapping? All right, here we go. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Call him up and tell him what you want.
changes everything, amen? It doesn't make a difference what you're going through. Jesus will change everything. God is good, amen? We're so glad you got the chance to be here again tonight. Um, it was such an honor. I thought we had a great service last night. Fear was broken. Uh, I thought it was a really unique circumstance where Pastor Dostic had the opportunity on Sunday morning to speak about fear and anxiety. What was the message that Brother Ted brought forth last night? The same thing. And so I know fear has been bowed. It is broken. It is destroyed in the name of Jesus. We have a great, great, great service planned for you tonight. I know the Holy Spirit's going to move. Uh, we saw Brother Ted minister to many of you individually, prayed for you many as well. I know he's got a great word for you tonight. I've known Ted, Ted Jr., for the, I was just talking about this moments ago with him. I met Brother, Brother Ted's son, Ted, Teddy, Ted Jr., under a tent in, in uh, Buffalo, New York in 1992. He was 10 years old. And I saw this young man under Brother Schoenbach's tent every night working on a Hammond B3 organ with our organist and singing and praying and playing with Lance Palmer, our praise and worship leader. He never stopped being on the tent for days on end, for hours on end. He has such a powerful anointing. I, I've seen this young man preach and teach in the biggest coliseums in America, in the world for that matter, and we're seeing miracles happen. We're seeing lives being changed and transformed, souls being saved by the tens of thousands annually. And it's just our honor and privilege to have Ted Jr. be with us again tonight. Let's give a warm welcome to our speaker tonight, Evangelist Ted Jr. Well, give Jesus a hand tonight if you love him. Amen. Before you sit down, lift your hands all over this house. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy. We thank you for your wonderful anointing that's in this house tonight. We expect things to change for our good by the power of your spirit. We have set our faith that this will be a week of supernatural breakthrough. We receive what you have planned for us. We thank you that there's daily bread available for us today. We receive it in Jesus' name. We're leaving here changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. We give you glory, honor, and praise. And if you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. Yeah. Amen. You can be seated. We love you. Glad you're here tonight. You look good. Amen. Hallelujah. Good looking crowd. I'm glad they turned the lights up because I get to see your faces and you look great. I want to just tell you about two things before we open up the Word of God that got me really, really excited. Number one is this. I was praying and the Lord started to show me uh, some things through his word. And so I got me all excited, interested. I started going deeper. I said, Lord, show me more than that. Show me, show me the fullness of it. And he started to show me how throughout the entire Bible that God's system of promotion in the kingdom is always impartation. He took me all the way back. He said, if you go all the way back to Moses and Joshua, you can go to Elijah and Elisha. You can go to Jesus and the disciples. You can go to Paul and Timothy, Paul and Onesimus, Paul and Titus. It is impartation that is God's system of promotion in the kingdom of God. You know, it's like I was watching, uh, Brother Eric made a, a reference to it, and we still to this day, I go on YouTube and I'll pull up. Anybody remember a man of God by the name of A.A. A. Allen? Anybody remember Brother Allen? I still to this day will go on YouTube and watch Brother Allen's services under the tent during the Voice of Healing movement right after World War II came to a close and see those miracles take place and the signs and wonders. Well, there was a young man that ministered by his side for all those years, and that man was R.W. Shambach. 
and faithfully served him. And you could see that impartation from Brother Allen come right on to Brother Shambach. And that came through service and through time of, of uh, hands laying on and knowing the wisdom and receiving the impartation of knowledge. And then I saw my father work closely with Brother Shambach. And I saw that same impartation from Brother Shambach come upon my father. Amen. And it's amazing to watch it happen. And when I sat back and watched those things, I could see the lineage. You know, it doesn't matter who you watch, there's lines that go throughout the body of Christ. And I saw how God used the spirit of impartation throughout his word and now in the kingdom, he's never stopped using it, as the system of promotion that causes us to obtain what he's called us to do. I mean, think about this, how much of a miracle. Bible says as they're going through the wilderness, Moses leading the children of Israel, you know, at the time when they left Egypt, it was probably close to two million of them that crossed through the Red Sea. Who knows how many were there were after 40 years, amen. It might have been many, many more than that. But the Bible says that even though there were two of the 12 spies who had a report of faith, Caleb and Joshua, isn't it interesting to you, did you ever think the thought, why was it that Joshua was the one who received the impartation of Moses, who took over and took his mantle for the next generation? Well, the Bible tells us why in Deuteronomy 31. Moses laid his hands upon Joshua and transferred that spirit of wisdom. And here's the miracle. The Bible says the entire congregation of Israel shifted their allegiance from Moses to Joshua and began to follow him as they followed Moses. Let me tell you, that's a miracle. You can't get a church of 300 that gets a new pastor, half of them leave. They don't like the new leadership style. <laughs> oh, I don't like the way he dresses. You know, it's something. But look at that. Millions of people shifted their allegiance from Moses to Joshua. Why? Impartation. You see it. You see it throughout the Bible. And it allows you. You know, here's the key, here's the key thought. Get this in your spirit. God does not want every generation to have to start at the ground level to do the work. Oh, hallelujah. He wants us to be able to take over where the last generation left off. Can you say amen? If, you know that's even true in the natural realm? Think about this. How many of you have a smartphone in your hand? You got a smartphone? How many have one? How many have a dumb phone? Which one do you have? Uh, but think about this. Apple, who created the iPhone, Yes, they made the iPhone. What an amazing invention. But you know what they didn't invent? They didn't invent touch screens. They didn't invent cellular technology. They didn't invite the, invent the ability to mine and refine aluminum and glass. Other people did that. But what did they do? Stood on the shoulders of giants, those that had come through with all those technologies, and used them all to create something new. Oh, hallelujah. And in the body of Christ... We're not supposed to cancel out all that went happened before us and the generations that were faithful before us. There's people on the earth right now, young preachers, young people, they want to get the old crowd out of the way as quick as they can. Not me, buddy. I, I say we need them more than we've ever needed them before. We need people who have experienced Christianity. And I'll tell you, some of the old ways are better than the new ways. Because some of the stuff I've seen in church today has got no Holy Ghost on it whatsoever. Thanks for all the shouts. But I'm just telling you that we need to go back. You know, I, uh, I remember listening to uh, Bishop G.E. Patterson, who was the, he was the uh, 
I don't even know what you would call him. He was the, the archbishop, if you will, over the Church of God in Christ. Uh, the presiding archbishop of the Church of God in Christ. And he used to sing some of those old songs, but uh, there was a song he used to do that was like, well, I'm going back to Jesus, and I'm going back to Jesus. Well, I'm going where living waters flow. I hear my Savior calling, repentant tears are falling. My heart turns back to Jesus, and I must go. He used to sing these songs, and it gets you thinking, Gets you thinking about, uh, he did another one like this. I'm going to live so God can use me anywhere, Lord, anytime. I'm going to live so God can use me anywhere, anytime. And then you know Pentecostals, we just change one word and sing it all again. I'm going to pray so God can use me. I'm going to fast so God can use me. You know. But what he was really saying Going back to those disciplines, those old ways of Pentecost where we pressed into the anointing of God, believing for miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. And we saw results by the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, it is that impartation that we receive. I love the way my, my pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, he says it this way. And he's, he just turned 70 a few weeks ago. But he says this all the time. He said, my ceiling should be your floor. Oh, Hallelujah. My ceiling should be your floor, meaning I took all these years of faithfulness, dedication, praying, fasting, seeking God, not to have it all thrown away, but so that we can launch the next generation, oh hallelujah, into that place of anointing. You know, the Lord really showed me uh, the power of what impartation was in a practical way when I first moved to Florida a few years ago, and uh, the house we were renting had a pool out back. And my two daughters, I got two daughters and a son, and my two daughters are extremely competitive. I mean, very competitive. And so we were in the pool one day, and uh, my daughter Madeline, who's older, was having swimming races with my younger daughter Brooklyn. She's, you know, Madeline's three years older. So she's so, but she won't even let you win, not even to, you know, make you not cry. She wants to see you crying. That's how competitive. And so they're, they'd done probably 18 races, and Brooklyn hadn't won one. And now she's crying in the pool, and the little pouty lip has come out and everything. And, uh, I, and, and, and I said, let's do one more race. That's what I said to the kids. And Maddie was already, that's all right. She's on the wall already ready to go. And Brooklyn's still pouting. I said, let's do one more race. I winked at Brooklyn, kind of letting her know, Daddy's going to help you with this one. And I got behind her. She was only like four years old at the time. I got behind her. And I, I said, are you ready, Maddie? And she said, yep. I said, three, two, one, go. Maddie kicked off, and she's underwater swimming, kicking. I took little Brooklyn, and I launched her in the pool. I mean launched her to the height that if CPS had seen it, they'd probably come to take her away. No. And she landed, and she landed way out in front of Maddie. I mean way out in front. And then now she's kicking, and she's paddling to get to the other side. I threw her about three-quarters of the way by myself. And Maddie comes up for a breath of air and sees Brooklyn way out in front of her with a confused face. And so Brooklyn's kicking, and she finally gets to the end first and touches the wall. And as only four little girls could do, four-year-old girls can do, stuck that little tongue out. Mm -hmm. And Maddie's all, then she, it like dawned on her. She flipped around. Daddy, now she's yelling at me. Daddy, you did that. But understand what happened. In Brooklyn's little strength, she had no ability to win that race. 
But when my strength was attached to her, and I imparted strength into her little body, I was able to send her further faster. Oh, hallelujah. And because of impartation, we don't have to wait. What God used to, it would have taken us 20 years to do, God will do in two. Hallelujah. What used to take five years, God will do in five months. And when you receive divine impartation, it causes you to be supernaturally promoted by the power of God. And everything that the Lord began to show me, I put into this brand new book, just came out. It's called Further Faster, How to Accelerate Your Purpose Through the Force of Impartation. And that's what God wants to do. He doesn't have to, want you to have to wait 10 years to get where he's called you to go. He doesn't want to have to wait, wait your whole life to accomplish your purpose. But quickly, amen. How many know he's coming soon? If he is, then we've got to do a quick work, Amen. And do as much as we can. And then I'm also extremely excited about this. My wife had launched a, a ministry uh, beginning of last year called Nonstop Mom. Ministering to women, ministering to mothers, single women, uh, married with no children. All over this nation and around the world. And every week she was putting out declarations and confessions of faith based on scripture. For women to have, she put it on Instagram and Facebook and everything, and people were screenshotting it. Well, she got so many messages back from these confessions. She, they were saying, would you please put these in some sort of a book or something? We want all of them in one. And so she didn't just do that, but she sat down and wrote it as a 40-day devotional. And this is her brand new devotional called Lines. It's a 40-day devotional that shows you how to actually walk in the power of confession and declaration by faith. The Bible says that death and life are in the what? Power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 18, 21. And when we begin to learn how to utilize the power of our words, you know what I love about that? It doesn't just say life is in your tongue. It said death is too. And you know, we always heard that preached in church like it was a bad thing. Well, speak life, don't speak death. Speak, no, God gave you both of those forces. You know, there's things that you don't speak life to, you speak death to it. If there's a tumor that comes into your body, you don't speak life to a tumor, you speak death. Cancer cells receive death when we speak to cancer cells. There are things, you know, when you, the enemy comes in and try to destroy your marriage, you look at that broken relationship, you don't speak life to that, you speak death to it and command it to move out of the way. And so it's, it's one of the most powerful things we could get a hold of is, why? Because the Bible says that the tongue is the most unruly member of the body. Who can tame it? Well, that's a rhetorical question. The answer there is no one. And without the power of the Holy Ghost, our tongue just runs wild. But when we're filled with his power, hallelujah, and we step out by faith and speak, then mountains have to move in Jesus' name. Somebody shout, mountains are moving. And so we got all kinds of resources back there before you leave. Stop by, uh, grab some things, and don't forget to grab a copy of the free magazine. The new one, the fall edition, is being released in just about a week and a half. If you'd like to receive it for free, you can literally go to miracleword.com on your phone, fill out a small form, we'll send it to you, no charge to you, just to be a blessing and build your faith. Amen? I want you to turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 8. I want you to look at this tonight. This got in my spirit today and about had me dancing in my hotel room. Hallelujah. I get excited. When I read the Bible, man, I get excited. I don't know about you. 
It's not just a book to me. It's the living, breathing Word of God. Amen? How many believe this is an inspired Word from the Lord? How many believe there's no error in it? You believe it? You know what I tell some people? Because I don't know if they understand how powerful the Bible really is. The psalmist said in Psalm 138 and verse 2, he said, Lord, you have magnified your word above your name. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody know how powerful the name of God is? How about the name God gave unto Jesus? It's the name above every name. And at that name, every knee has to bow. Every tongue has to confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. You know what I like about that verse? It doesn't say Christian knees will bow. It says every knee will bow. You know what that means? Muslim knees will bow. Hindu knees will bow. Buddhist knees will bow. Atheist knees will bow. Agnostic knees will bow. New age knees will bow. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ. Let me, let me show you something from the Word. This, this is so, man, this got me like, I'm ready, man. I'm, this, no, I'm no Red Bull needed. That's what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I was looking at that story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, of course, they're coming to take him away for his crucifixion. And the Bible said they sent a whole battalion. Remember the story? They sent a whole battalion to get him. Remember what he said? He said, what am I, some kind of dangerous revolutionary that you have to send a whole battalion of soldiers to take me away? I've been teaching in the synagogues every day. Why didn't you take me there? And so they sent a battalion. But remember what he asked them when they showed up. He said, who are you looking for? King James, whom seek ye? <laughs> he said, who are you looking for? Look at their answer. We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, man. Catch this in your spirit because this will stir you up. See, they were looking for a carpenter. And they found the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so when Jesus responded to them, he did not just affirm that he was Jesus of Nazareth. If you look at it in the Bible, you can read it when you get home. In fact, all he said to them, and in your scripture it should be the same, all he said was, I am. Some translations said, I am he, but if you look at it, I am is in capital letters, and he's italicized. He was added by the translators to give you context. But he wasn't just affirming he was Jesus of Nazareth. I want you to catch what he was saying. Read a cross-reference back to the book of Exodus when Moses stood in front of the burning bush and said, who should I tell them sent me? And he said, tell them I am that I am has sent you. Oh, man. Woo! Glory to God. Can I, can I, can I just give you a thought that I, I know will stir you up? I don't believe it was God in the burning bush. I believe it was Jesus. You know how I know? I'll show you. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, our God is a consuming fire. But watch, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if God is a consuming fire, and God is His Word, then His Word is fire. Oh, hallelujah. Now let me go a step further. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. If you've never seen it before, Jesus was fire in the flesh. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus was fire in the flesh. Anytime God speaks, fire comes out of his mouth. You look at what the Bible says in the first Kings. Elijah said, let's 
call on our gods. And whichever one answers. And so Elijah started talking to God. The prophets of Baal talked to their God all day long. They, everything they could do, you know, self-flagellation. They tried to call, oh, speak back to us. Speak back. And I love it because Elijah wasn't politically correct. Elijah started mocking their God right there in front of their face. You, you ever read the story? He said, where is your God? Maybe he went on vacation. If you look at the original language, you know what he said? Maybe he's in the bathroom relieving himself. Maybe you should send him a text message. Maybe a DM. Maybe slide into your God's DMs. And sat there and mocked him all day long. And they had no answer. But when he started talking to his God, God talked back. Oh, hallelujah. And when God talked back, what happened? His word came out of his mouth. And what form did it come down in? Fire. Oh, hallelujah. Because his word is always fire. Jeremiah the prophet said it this way. He said, Lord, I've tried to sit down and shut up. These people don't want me to prophesy in your name anymore. But every time I hold my peace, your word is a fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary of holding it in. What did God say to Jeremiah in another passage? He said, because of these people's rebellion, he said, I will put my word in your mouth like fire and I'll make the people dry wood. Oh, hallelujah. Because God's word is fire and the word is Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus is the word. Say, Jesus is the word. And the word was speaking out of the bush. And it, see, it was, oh man, I could preach this all night. It wasn't the bush that was on fire. You know how you know? Because when Moses approached it, he saw the fire in the bush. But the Bible says the bush was not consumed. It wasn't the bush on fire. It was the word on fire. Hallelujah. See, he walked right up to it. There was a word in the bush for him. Oh, hallelujah. There was a word in the bush just for him. And he's sitting there. Bush ain't burning. The word's burning. And the word came out of the bush and began to speak to Moses. You go tell him, I am that I am has sent you. All those years later, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the word had been made flesh and was dwelling among us. Jesus stood there as fire in the flesh. And the Bible says, they said, uh, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He said, uh-uh, baby, you found I am. Catch it now. And when he said, I am, what was the result? Every last soldier fell backwards onto their back. Every one of them had a sword, they had shields, they had armor and helmets. But all he had to do was speak a word. Oh, hallelujah. Catch this now. You know why he didn't need a sword? Because the Bible says, and when John saw him on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation, he said, I turned to see who was speaking to me. And I saw a man whose hair was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were a flame of fire. And out of his mouth proceeded a two-edged When he speaks, it is the sword of the Lord. I said, when Jesus speaks, it's the sword of the Lord. How do you know that? Well, what does the Bible tell us? 
when you look at the armor of God. He said, and he's also given you the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He didn't even need to pull a sword out of a sheath. He had one in his mouth. And he said, who are you looking for? And they said, we're looking for the carpenter from Nazareth. He said, baby, you found the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I am. And just his name, just his identity was too much for the army. Somebody shout, his name is too much for your enemy. See, the enemy can't even handle his name. Glory to God. The enemy can't even handle his name. We haven't even got into his word yet. Just his name is too much. Jesus. Isn't that interesting? See, as a preacher, when you have a politician call you up and say, would you come down to City Hall or would you come down to the mayor's or would you come down to the governor? We'd like you to open in prayer. They always want some preacher to open in prayer. Would you come over? And then they debrief you before you go out on the stage. Well, we'd like you to pray, but if you would, just say God. Don't say Jesus. Just say God. You know why they want you to do that? Because God is not a name. It's a position. God's not a name. His name ain't God. (laughs) I'd be like looking at my uh, dad and saying that his name is dad. His name ain't dad. That's his position. His name is Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. But I call him dad because that's his position to me. But when you say God, anybody can interpret that to be whatever God they want. Who are you talking about? You talking about Allah? You talking about the 15,000 Hindu gods that you have to serve if you're a Hindu? Are you talking about the Buddha? Are you talking about some new age spirit? Who are you referring to when you say God? See, that's why they don't want you to get specific. Because they don't want you to release a name that's above every other name. Because that name makes demons nervous. I said that name makes demons nervous. That name makes the devil run. That name makes the devil bow. That name makes blind eyes come open. It makes cancer cells die. It makes tumors shrink. It's the name of Jesus. Somebody shout his name. Oh, it's the name of Jesus. They don't want you to say that name. That, that caused the devil to have to have a change of pants in his backpack. It's the name above every name. You speak that name, demons tremble. You know what's interesting? The devil, you could either have your identity known or unknown in the supernatural realm. Bible teaches that. Bible teaches that. You had seven sons of a priest named Sceva came skipping down the road in Acts 19. Came upon a demon-possessed man and said, In the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, come out of the man. And this, now here's, a, here's when you know you've had a bad day. When a demon-possessed dude looks you up and down and sizes you up, bad day. Instead of just screaming and tearing at him and coming out like it's supposed to come out, when he just looks you up and down and says, who do you think you're talking to? That's what he said in so many words. He said, now hold up a second. Jesus I know. Paul I know. Who are you? I heard a preacher preach a message one time in context. It, the message was titled, who in hell are you? 
Because if you don't have an identity in hell, demons don't even know who you are. Devil, these demons did not know these boys. They said, we don't even know who you are. You have no identity in the supernatural realm. We know Paul. We know Jesus. They've been destroying the kingdom of darkness, but we don't know you. And that wasn't the end. Bible says he leapt upon them. Seven men. Seven men. One demon-possessed man leapt upon them, beat them, stripped their clothes off, and sent them down the road bloodied and bruised, and they failed. But notice this, that if you look at Jesus, it's a totally different story. I read the story where Jesus in Mark chapter 5 comes across the sea, and he's in a ship, and he lands on the shores of the region of the Gadarenes. And out in the graveyards is a demoniac that we find out later has a legion of demons living in his body. This man was so violent that they kicked him out of the city because he would snap every chain they put on his body. And he became extremely violent. So they kicked him out. And he lived in the graveyards wailing and weeping and cutting himself all day and all night. And he, now think about this, this man was the most powerful spiritual force in the region. Nobody was more powerful than that. No one could subdue him. The Bible said nobody could subdue him. In fact, historians tell us that when he referred and said, legion for we are many, that it was actually a reference to a Roman legion of soldiers that had anywhere between four and 6,000 men in a battalion of a legion. That Could it be possible that that demon was saying, there are anywhere between four to 6,000 of us in this man's spirit. That's why he was so violent and strong demonically. Well, think of it. No matter how many that there were in him, just know this. It was enough demons to fill a whole herd of pigs. Uh-huh. And so there were plenty of demons in that man. And I find it interesting. The Bible said that the boat lands on the shore. He's way up in the graveyard. But the Bible said Jesus just stepped, for all my sneakerheads in here, he put his Jerusalem ones out of the boat and touched the shore. And he started, he started walking up. But the Bible says the demon-possessed man was way up in the graveyard and saw him from afar off. Oh, glory to God. Didn't see him face to face, saw him from afar off. What did he do? See, here's what you can't see in the scripture, but what you know to be true because of the reaction. The moment Jesus entered the region, oh hallelujah, a shockwave of anointing went out and every demon was served notice, someone greater than you just landed on the shore. Woo, glory to God. And the demon possessed man saw him from afar and the Bible said took off running like the six million dollars came right at Jesus. Did he come down there to strip his clothes off? Did he come down there to smack Jesus around? No. Bible tells us what he did. When he came close, he bowed down low before him and began to worship him and began to beg him, don't harass us before our time. That's because he recognized that the one who just stepped on the shore has got all power in his hand. And I'm telling you tonight, that same Jesus is living in you by the power of the Holy Ghost. Every demon has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Woo, glory to God. 
and he ran to bow low. And when he bowed low, he began to worship and beg. That's all demons can do. Worship and beg. Got to bow your knee and worship the name above every name. And notice this. Jesus asked him an interesting question because it's a question Jesus never asked again throughout the whole New Testament. Says to the demons in the man, what is your name? People got off on this in the, you know, the 80s. We had to figure out every demon's name in your city. They put them up on overhead projectors. Remember before we had these nice screens, we used to have overhead. Who remembers the overhead projector? There was always a woman on it that was her mission and ministry to run that thing. You better not touch her slides. She's got them alphabetically categorized. Isn't that funny how back when we used to sing with overhead projectors, they never thought that we could actually follow the words down the page. When we got to the course, they had to push it up for us. Remember that? They'd push the thing up so the course would come to the top. <laughs> and so we, uh, you know, got to find out every name of every demon in the city. Baal, Zalael, we come against thee. People holding all night spiritual warfare meeting prayers, trying to find every, I don't know, was it you go to Barnes and Noble, is there like a demon naming book? Like when baby demons are born, they have, have a full book. What are we going to call him? It got crazy. But it should never have become a thing because Jesus never did it again. In fact, if you study this passage, it, to me, here's what it seems like. It seems to me, now you you see how you feel about this in your spirit, because it's not in Scripture, but this is what I see in my spirit. It was almost like a rhetorical question. What is your name? Because understand, he was the most powerful demonic force in the region. And Jesus is not, because if it took that for Jesus to deal with the demons, why didn't he do it for every demon-possessed person? Oh, I recognize your identity, now come out. No, doesn't need to know your name. Doesn't need to know your identity. Glory to God. Doesn't need to know what your identity is. It just has to bow and come out in the name of So my opinion, Jesus is serving notice on this devil because he's saying this. Think of it based on Philippians chapter 2. He's saying, what is your name? To me, it's almost like this. I'll tell you what your name is not, Jesus. It was almost like Jesus rubbing it in the face of an army of demons. What is your name? Because I'll tell you what mine is. Jesus, name above every name. God has given unto him a name that's above every name. That at that name, at that name, every knee must bow. That includes in the spirit realm too. Every knee must bow. <laughs> Every tongue must confess Jesus is Lord. So I said all that to say his name is powerful. <laughs> and we know how powerful his name is. So when the psalmist said, you have exalted or magnified your word above your name. If his name will do all of that, what will his word do? I said, if his name will do all of that, what will his word do? 
this word right here will break through barriers. It'll destroy obstacles. It will heal sicknesses and diseases. It will cause depression to go. Anxiety has to go. It'll bring relationships back together. It'll bring finances into your life. It'll cause your ministry to flourish. It'll cause your business to blow up. This Word is the transformative force in the kingdom of God, and there's nothing above it. You have magnified your word above your name. So catch this now. So when God came down, the Bible says, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. So when the word became flesh, the most powerful force in the universe just stepped into a human body. Whoo! That'll make you shout. The most powerful force in the universe just slipped into a human body. Now he's walking around as the word of God made manifest on the earth. It's no wonder to me why demons were crying and freaking out. Because they just came into contact, oh hallelujah, with the word inside of a flesh body. <laughs> See, you ever wonder? You ever wonder why we could have verses like Isaiah 55, 11, where God said, when I send my word forth, it never returns empty or void, but it always accomplishes what I send it to do and prospers in the thing whereunto I've sent it. How is that possible to have that kind of a verse of scripture? How is it? That his word going out never fails or returns empty. How does it never come back not completing what he sent it to do? I'll tell you why. Because John 1 says, and the word was God. God is his word. He is his word. So understand this. When it comes out of his mouth, he doesn't have to get off of his throne and go look at them in the eyes. I told you. No. When his word comes out of his mouth, his word is him. Oh, hallelujah. Catch it now. His word is him. So when Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 speaks to the centurion, and he said, hey, would you uh, my, pray my servant? He said, I'll come to your house. Not expecting that a Gentile would have faith in his word. Oh, man. You see this? Because what does he say to him at the end of the story? Look, I've not found faith like this in all of Israel. You know what he means? All my people don't even believe me like you believe me. And you're not even Jewish. You're an Italian brother. And you believe me more than my own people believe me. I got to lay hands on them. All you're asking for is a word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to spit in the dirt, make mud, rub it in their eyes. All you're asking for is a word. I got to cut. See, and when he understood it, the highest level of faith, I believe the word. He said, Lord, you don't have to come to my house. I don't need you to do that because I recognize you're a man of authority. And he said, I'm the same way, but in the natural. When I tell my men go, they go. When I tell them come, they come. And he said, you're the same. So speak the word only. And my servant shall be made whole. Jesus the word sent the word. The word sent the word. If you're taking notes, write this down. The power of God's spirit travels 
in the vehicle of his word. The power of God's spirit travels in the vehicle of his word. If his word goes forth, his spirit is there too. Because his spirit is the power that causes the word to manifest. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> See, if you read about creation, the, the, the trifold nature of God, Jehovah, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, the three in one. But if you, if you read the scripture about how the world was created, there was actually a process. God spoke out of his mouth, but when he spoke, Jesus is the word. Jesus, his word went forth. But don't forget about the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us the Holy Ghost is the breath of God. Oh, man. Catch it. It's the breath of God. That's why if you go to Bible school or if you go to seminary, you have to take courses called pneumatology. Pneumatology, if you want to get the most basic translation of those two Greek words, it's pneuma and logos, which is the study of or the learning of. The pneuma actually means the breath or the wind. That's the Holy Ghost. What did God blow into Adam's mouth that caused him to be a living being? The Holy Ghost. How do I know? Because it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It raised Adam, the first Adam from the dead, raised the last Adam from the dead. It's the same substance. It's the Holy Ghost that went out of God's mouth and came into Adam, took him from a sandcastle man into a living being. The Holy Ghost is a life-giving force. I said he's a life-giving force that no matter where he goes, no matter what he touches, it has to come to life by by the power of God. Jesus stood in front of Lazarus' tomb. Roll away the stone. Well, Lord, we don't want to do that. He stinks by now. I mean, it's been four days. You know what that'll show you? There's people, even Christians, they have a stone rolled in front of them because they know how bad what they're going through stinks and they don't want anybody to see it in the church. So they roll it in front every Saturday night come to church and lift their hands like everybody else, sing the songs, come down, give their offering, shout if the preacher's preaching good, but they don't ever roll the stone away because they don't want anybody to see how bad it stinks, what they're going through. This should show you Jesus don't care what it looks like. He don't care what it smells like. He don't care what it seems like. What he's interested in is healing you, touching you, and bringing you back to life. He said, roll the stone away. I don't care what it smells like. I don't care what it looks like. I'm trying to bring him back from the dead. Finally, they rolled it away. What did he do? Stood in front of that tomb. He didn't have to go in. <laughs> he didn't have to go in. He was going to send somebody else in. Because he'd already been filled with the Holy Ghost. And the breath of God had come upon him at the Jordan River. The heavens opened. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And God spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Luke 4, 1 says, and he was led by the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost, into the wilderness. Jesus got filled with the Holy Ghost. So now the breath of God was upon him. And he stands in front of the tomb. Take your hand like this, put it in front of your mouth and say, power. You feel that? Do it again. Power. 
You feel it? You know why? It's impossible to speak without releasing your breath. That's why if you ever been around somebody that talks all the time, they never stop talking, they're like, you got to keep taking breaths if you want to keep talking. Because you can't speak without releasing breath. Every time God spoke, the breath of his mouth came out of his mouth. It was the Holy Ghost from heaven. And Jesus, who was now filled with that Holy Ghost, stood in front of the tomb, and all he, he didn't have to lay hands, he didn't have to put a prayer cloth, he didn't have to anoint him with oil, he didn't have to let his shadow pass over him, he didn't have to join hands with 12 disciples and pray in speed tongues. He just said, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, glory to God. And the breath of God leapt out of his mouth and went into the tomb and grabbed a hold of a dead decomposing man and shook him back to life. Oh, glory to God. And out he came, hopping out of the tomb, wrapped up in grave clothes. But notice Jesus wasn't done with Lazarus come forth. He had one more command to release over that man, just like others. There's many that come into church every Sunday. They, they love the Lord, still smoking a pack a day. They love the Lord, still got issues in their life. Love the Lord, battling some stuff. God's not done with just bringing you to life. He's got one more command for you. Loose him and let him go. Every grave clothes has to fall off of you. Everything that held you in bondage has to come off in the mighty name of Jesus. Freedom is here for God's people. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. Loose him and let him go. My grandfather, who pastored 62 years, said, reason he stood and said, Lazarus, come forth. If he'd have just said, come forth, everybody in the graveyard would have came out. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's power in your words. I said, there's power in your words. I don't ever confess the negative and declare, well, you never know. I might get it too. I ain't getting it. I said, I ain't getting it. You know what's funny thing that people do? They point at other Christians as the reason for the possibility that it may happen to them. As if the other Christians are the standard of God's word. Somebody else's life is not my standard. This word is my standard. Well, brother, you can't say you'll never die of cancer. There's been good Christians. There's been good preachers that have done it. That might be their story. But that ain't my story in Jesus' name. I said, ain't my story in Jesus' name. Well, brother, you shouldn't say, you know, that you'll never die in a plane crash. You never know what the future holds. There's been preachers that have gone down in planes. Might have been their story. It ain't my story. I said, it shall pass over me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I said, it'll pass over you in Jesus' name. I said, it'll pass over you in Jesus' name. It'll pass over you in Jesus' name. Somebody needs to grab a hold of this because there's a whole lot of Christians out there that say, well, you know, that's just how the world works and that's just how things are and that's just natural wisdom and stuff. <laughs> Sitting around believing Dr. Fauci more than you believe the Word of God. There's people that hold the CDC at a higher level than they hold the Word of God. How about get your prescription from Heaven's Pharmacy because he's got healing virtue for your body and you don't have to be sick to get healed. You can live in the divine health of the Holy Ghost for the rest of your life. Ha. Glory to God. I said glory to God. 
And so we have to realize this word, not any person, is our standard. I tell you, when I get on, I don't have any fear about that. I used to, because I didn't, I didn't care for flying. If they had heavy turbulence, I'm out of you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, man, I got this revelation. I started realizing, man, devil can't kill me. He can't kill me. Nobody can come in this church tonight and shoot me and kill me. You can't do it. You can try it, but you can't do it. Ain't nobody can kill me. God's protecting me supernaturally by his power. You can't kill me. I said, you can't kill me. Understand something. Uh, every time I get on an airplane, every time you get on, when you board on your airplane, every other person on that plane should lift their hands and thank God you just got on. You say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Holy Ghost believer just boarded. Thank you, Lord. I tell you, I, I mean that. When I get on, the safety of God just got on the plane. Because God didn't put me on that plane to kill me. He didn't put me on that plane coming from Evansville, Indiana, down here to Dayton, Ohio, to kill me on the way so that I don't have a chance to stand before you and minister the word of God. He didn't put me on that plane to kill me. He didn't put me on that plane to take me out. He put me on there to safely transport me to where I'm going. So every other person that's on the man of God's flight should thank the Lord God Almighty. Ain't no lightning taking us down. Ain't no engine failures going to happen. No terrorists pulling out box cutters. We ain't going down, baby. We're going to arrive safely at our destination in the name of Jesus. I was on a flight one time. I had a big old guy sitting next to me. He was like a construction worker. Big guy, muscled, tough, tough, calloused hands. And we hit heavy turbulence, bro. And he was, he went, he was white knuckling those seats. He was, I mean, he wasn't scared. He was scared. He was skirt with a T. He was skirt. And he's white knuckling. He's got them eyes clenched. Oh, and he's trying to get through that turbulence. I, I, I was drinking my club soda. I turned and said, hey, bro, so take it easy. This plane ain't going down. He was like, he, he, who, who, how do you know? I thought he was having a baby. He went into Lamaze class. <laughs> he, he, he. I said, take it easy, bro. This plane ain't going down. He said, he, he, how do you know? He said, are you the air marshal? I said, no, higher ranking. <laughs> higher ranking. See, there's people who don't like this kind of preaching. It, literally, in this nation, I've gotten people write, write they wrote, wrote me stuff on. I had people write me seven paragraph rebukes on Facebook. I mean, well, sit down and take their time. Take their time. Seven paragraphs? And I don't mean paragraphs. I mean paragraphs. <laughs> you know, I, I love it because I love responding to those. I used to not, but now I do because I, I really enjoy it. They'll take the time to write me seven somber, rebuking paragraphs. And then I love to respond back. You ready for the response? You can use it yourself if you want it. L-O-L. Send. It works so well. I said it works so well. See, people think, you know, I think a song just came out, if I'm not right, young people help me. Isn't there a song that just came out about blocking people? Is there a song, anybody know? There's a song that came out about blocking people. People think that's a new thing. God was blocking people in the Old Testament. Y'all don't know. God was literally blocking accounts left and right. Literally, didn't even know who the people were. He put Noah in the ark, shut the door. People were like, let us in. He was like, I can't even get the comment. You're blocked. I don't even know who you are. 
<laughs> what did what Paul tell in the New Testament? Go to Titus chapter three. You'll find out at the end of the at the end of the chapter to Titus. He said, "You got any people stirring up divisions in the church, teaching you other gospels that I didn't teach you?" He said, "They're coming in and causing strife and division, and all those wicked works." He said, "Eject them from the church and have nothing else to do with them. Blocked." <laughs> bye 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 Felicia. Gone. St- Gone. Have not. Well, that's not grace, brother. Paul should have learned how to walk in love. You think Paul didn't have a revelation of love? You think Paul didn't have a revelation of grace? He said there's a time and there's an opportunity. He said after you warned them once, after you warned them twice, have nothing more to do with them. He said cut them off. Why? Because that kind of division will actually bring all kinds of problems. Every evil work, the Bible says, into the body of believers. You don't have to sit around and debate this word with people that don't believe it. There's people that will Call people up after church on Sunday. What did you think of what Pastor Dosick preached today? Because be honest with you, I don't know if I believe some of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about Sister Sally? I wanted to give you a prayer request to have you pray. Oh, you don't know what she's going through? Let me help you with this, honey. Yeah, she's had a, oh, she, I'm telling you, baby, I don't even know she's saved. Uh-huh. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's done embarrassed her whole family down there at the hardware store. There's people just gossip. We're on a prayer chain call. I ain't on a prayer chain. Just gossiping, creating division, creating problems. Instead of sticking to the word, if you got ought against your brother, don't Facebook 17 people about it. Go to that person personally and try to restore the relationship. Try to restore the friendship. And God is telling us unity has to come back into the house of God. If we don't have unity, we're not going to have revival. If we don't have unity, we're not going to see the harvest reap. See, this is why I don't believe in black churches and white churches and Puerto Rican churches and Korean churches and Brazilian churches. I believe in Holy Ghost churches because if you go back to the book of Acts, you'll find them coming from every nation under the sun. You can't hate your brother and say you love God. It makes you a liar. we got to come back together and see the unity of God in the church. Oh, because it's a problem all through America. I've been to all the churches. Trust me, I've traveled. You can ask Brother Eric. I've been to black churches. I've been to church. You know, when I say black churches, everybody there's black except me. I'm the only one. Pastor asked me to come preach. And half the people are like, why'd you invite a white dude? Seriously. I know it gets quiet when I preach like this. I do it anyway. There's a problem. If you have no black people in your church, there's a problem you got no white people in your church. There's a problem if you don't have one Latino American in your church. I mean, obviously, like, Eskimo churches aren't going to have it, but other than that, it's a problem. You know what the problem is? Is you got pastors out there fishing for white fish. Well, we want, we want white fish in this house. You got some pastor fishing for black fish. They cater everything. They want it just for the, you know, that's for the black fish. Boom. You got Latino fish coming in. I need a Latino. Latino church. Hmm? You know what the problem is with the fishing? They're not fishing like Jesus. Because Jesus don't fish with a pole and bait. He fishes with a net. 
And when you fish with a net, you got to drag it. And when you drag a net, you catch whatever jumps into the net. You catch black fish and white fish and Puerto Rican fish, tall fish, short fish, red fish, blue fish, one fish, two fish. Everything jumps in the net. And if you got Holy Ghost in your church and in your body, you're going to draw all men unto me. I'm telling you, get ready. Because we're getting ready to see a resurgence of the revival of the Holy Ghost sweeping through this nation one more time before Jesus comes back. Somebody shout, it's my time. And we've left the word and we've got into preferences. There's people leave the church if you don't sing the type of songs they like. Forgetting the fact maybe we're reaching some new people that hadn't been in Pentecost 61 years. I'm going to get so right down and dirty. Well, I tell you what, coming up, my parents never needed no blue lights and a miss machine. And we had church just fine, brother. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Clorox bleach has had the same product for 60-some years but they've changed the packaging quite a few times. It's the same stuff inside the bottle. But you know what? It ain't 1952 anymore. And you ain't vacuuming the house in pearls and pumps, Mrs. Cleaver. <laughs> Welcome home, Mr. Cleaver. It ain't the same day. It's a different day. The substance didn't change. The, the actual concentration didn't change but the packaging might change one or two times because there's a different crowd trying to buy your bleach it's the same bleach it'll still make you white as snow hallelujah it's the same gospel message it's the same power it's the same holy ghost it's the same deliverance it's the same speaking in tongues it's the same fire from heaven it might just have a different package if I try to come in here 30 years ago and preach to you with no tie on and tennis shoes, they'd have threw me out the back door. I just mean in Christianity in general. Things might change, but let me tell you, the Holy Ghost remains the same. Jesus remains the same. His word remains the same. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. This is the force that changes men from dead into living beings. It'll take you from death unto life. And there comes a time when we've got to realize that the power of the Holy Ghost is not just something we read in this word, is living on the inside side of you. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he dwells in you. <laughs> and Matthew 8, where I tried to turn about an hour ago. They're getting ready to come across the sea. Verse 23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a storm, a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. <laughs> I love that. Because this wasn't a yacht. It was a boat. Jesus went three decks down in a waterbed with spa music on the flat screen. Like, I didn't even know there was a storm. 
he was on the deck. And if he was on the deck, and it was such a violent storm that fishermen who fished their whole life said, we're about to die. They'd seen storms in their life. They knew what a storm on the sea looked like that was serious. The, the whole boat was being swamped, the waves crashing over, which means the same waves that were hitting the disciples were hitting Jesus, and he never woke up. <laughs> he never woke up. You know, you can go through storms and sleep right through them. You can sleep right through storms. I'll give you something that will stir your faith real quick. Remember the story in the Garden of Gethsemane one more time? He went in to take his disciples to pray. He goes deeper, comes back after an hour. They're all sleeping. He said, you couldn't hang with me for an hour? That shows you Jesus didn't think an hour of prayer was a long time. He said, you couldn't hang for an hour? He said, watch him pray. Went back in, came back, they're sleeping again. Notice this, they were sleeping when they should have been praying. But catch this revelation. Jesus was praying while others were sleeping. But then a storm comes, and Jesus is sleeping while others are praying. If you'll pray while others are sleeping, you can sleep while others are praying. If you'll pray while others are sleeping... See, see here's, here's what I learned about the Lord. He watches to make sure how you respond, not just in times of crisis. How do they respond when times are going well? They still seek in my face? They still praying? They still fasting? They still read my word when they're blessed and they got the paycheck they want and they go on a vacation every couple of, you know, whatever? Are they still pressing in or do they only press in when there's a crisis? Do they only press in when there's an issue? Do they like, there's folks, y'all have seen them at the church. They'll come down here and they'll dance. They need a miracle so bad. They'll dance and praise God. Don't care who sees them. They've lost all that dignity. Oh my God, I need you to move on my children. I need you to move in my life. Oh, <laughs> and then God comes in, blesses them a little bit, lifts them up. They're not drinking red Dixie cups anymore. They got some stemware in the house. God's blessed them. They can go on vacation, got a car that actually runs without bumper stickers that are holding it together. And all of a sudden, people have forgotten who blessed them. All it took was a little bit of blessing and that same desperation and praise and worship and study that they had in prayer, all that stuff went out the door. Why? God checks on you when things are going well. He doesn't just check on you when there's a crisis. He wants to see how you're responding when I'm blessing you. How you're responding with it. Because here's the thing. If we're only the Christians that press in when there's a problem, why would God ever want to bless us knowing it would take us away from him? We got to be the people that will praise him when everything's going good. Praise him when there's no problems. Praise him when there's no sickness. Press in when there's no problems with the finances. Press in when no th nothing's going wrong with your marriage. Press in when nothing's going wrong with your children. If you'll praise him when it's going good, you won't have to struggle when there's an attack. You can sleep while others are praying if you'll pray while others are sleeping. You know, I, I actually had a preacher. I heard him. I had to sit on the front row and listen to this garbage. He stood up and preached a whole message on, everybody wants to know him as healer, but you can't know him as healer unless you're sick. I thought, you can't? I know him as healer every day, and I'm not sick. 
I still declare, he's my healer. Did you know the healer can keep you healed? He don't have to pull you out of a sickness to be your healer. He just keep you healed, and he's still your healer. Woo, glory to God. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Well, he want, everybody wants to know him as provider. But if you really want to know him as provider, you got to be broke down to nothing. Be poor and impoverished. You think that's God's plan? Is to literally take you through the dredges of sin? You know, that's, that's just as dumb as saying, well, he's only your savior when you're living a life of sin. If you want to truly know his saving power, get out there every day and commit some sins. Because then someone's going to pull that clip off Facebook or whatever. <laughs> use it against me. I know it's coming. You foul demons on Facebook. I come against you. That's just as dumb as saying that. He can keep you righteous. He can keep you holy. He can keep you healed. He can keep you blessed. He can keep you in peace. He can keep you in joy. He can keep you in increase. He can keep you in provision because he doesn't need you to struggle to bless you. He doesn't need you to struggle to help you. He doesn't need you to struggle to heal you. He doesn't need to struggle to have peace and joy. He'll just pour out his blessings upon his people because he loves you. He got up and rebuked the storm. Notice this. He did not get up and say, well, you know, there are times of life, disciples, that we will have storms. But here's what I want you to know about me. I'm here to hold you through the storm. Just everybody cuddle up right here on the boat. Just nuzzle your head right under my beard, right on my stubble right here. Come in close, Peter. Now, Jesus is not creepy. Amen. Aren't you glad? He's not creepy. Some of these songs we sing in church, I can't get with them, bro. I'm like, freaks me out. It's like someone took an R&B song, just took the word girl out and put Jesus in. I can't get with it. I can't, I'll be honest with you, it might be your favorite song. I can't deal with it. It creeps me out. Want to lay against your chest, feel your beard upon my neck, lay back against you and breathe. Feel your breath down my shirt. I can't, I can't get with it. You know, I imagine to myself, I'm like, there's some dude that's never been to church before that works construction, just came in, first-time visitor, and he's sitting there looking around at everybody, and he's looking, a man's man, looking at the screen, thinking, lay back against your chest and feel your beard upon my face. What in the world church is going on around? If anybody did that to me in real life, I'd sock him in the face. I... <laughs> some of this stuff, I can't, you know. You got people drowning in oceans of grace and all kinds of stuff. I was like, dude, why do we have to, why are we dying in oceans of grace? I don't understand. I'm drowning in your love. What in the world does that even mean? Your love went into my lungs and I can't breathe anymore. The goofiest stuff that's been coming through. We've lost the power. When I was growing up, we actually, we actually used to sing songs about the power of God. It was focused on the blood. It was focused on Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We used to sing songs like that. Have you been to Jesus? I mean, do you remember? Huh? We used to sing songs about the power of God and how he moved. Now we're singing about like, I'm drowning in your love. 
You know what's happened? It's gone from focusing on the redemptive works of Christ, and they've turned it to focus on the, inf on the fallibility of your flesh. Songs have become soulish. That's why you can't worship God with a song like that. Because the Bible says that they that worship him must worship him in spirit. If it's a soulish thing, if it's focused on you, if it's focused on your inconsistencies, if it's focused on your sin, if it's focused on your failure, then it's not focused on him. I can't praise him in the soul. I can't play praise him in the flesh I gotta praise him in the spirit I gotta worship him in the spirit and if I do that then chains will fall off doors will open up mountains have to move when you praise him by faith and they said what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him what manner? I mean, that, you know what that means? What kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? <laughs> oh, it's the word made flesh. I said it's the word made flesh. What kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? This is a man that walks on water. This is a man that cleanses lepers. This is a man that raises the dead. This is a man that turns water into wine. This is a man who can multiply five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 men plus the women and children. This is a man who that at one point he got after his resurrection, he'd spent 40 days with his disciples and he was now blessing them in Bethany and the disciples watched him. Gravity couldn't even hold him anymore. And he started to ascend up into heaven and they just watched the man go up, probably still thinking, what kind of man is this and they watched him go up into the clouds finally when he couldn't be seen anymore and they're just looking up into the sky two angels had to break him out of their trance and say why are you standing here gazing up into heaven this same Jesus that you saw go is coming back again in like manner I'm telling you he's coming back soon there's a day coming that the trumpet's gonna sound and Jesus Christ will descend from heaven with a commanding shout and the dead in Christ are going to get out of their graves do you know why the dead in Christ are getting out of, getting out of their graves see people think that the resurrection's a day on God's calendar they think well when resurrection day comes like it's a date Jesus told us it wasn't a date he showed up at Lazarus tomb one sister was so offended she wouldn't even come out where he's been. We didn't just have the funeral. We even had the dinner. We saved him a plate of chicken and green beans with tinfoil. He didn't even show up to eat it. And the other one comes out to greet him. Oh, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. You know what her issue was? She was in the past. Faith don't work in the past. He said, hold up. You don't believe your brother's going to rise again? Oh, yeah. Then she, then, she, then she got religious. Hot shot time, yes. My God, I know he's going to rise again. Oh, he's going to rise again. When? In the resurrection. He said, here's your problem. You went from the past into the future. Faith don't work in the future. Works in the now. 
He had to reach, grab this woman, pull her back into the present. He says, see, your problem is you think the resurrection's a day on the calendar, but the resurrection is a man. He said, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. The reason dead people are going to get out of their graves when the trumpet sounds is not because it's the resurrection day. It'll be because the man, the resurrection, is coming back to this earth. And when the resurrection comes back, people have to get up out of their graves and rise up to meet him in the air. And I'm telling you, that day is coming very soon. Who's ready to see him when he comes? Who's ready to hear him when he... There's a shout about to go forth. He's descending from heaven with a commanding shout. And those of us that are alive and remain going to be caught up to meet him in the air. Woo, glory to God. I want the team to come back if they would. I'm getting ready to minister to God's people. Do you remember, I just watched this the other day, Brother Eric. Remember Brother Shambach used to do that special service, How to Raise the Dead. Remember that? He'd have them bring a casket in all the way down the aisle. Two caskets on the platform. Anybody ever seen him preach it? Two caskets on the platform. He'd preach the whole message with two caskets on the platform. And at the end of that message, he'd preach how to raise the dead. He'd have the trumpet player blow a blast on that trumpet. And he had a brother that would jump out of that casket at the end of that service and dance all over the, he'd dance all over the stage and give God praise. That place would come unglued. How to raise the dead. The trumpet's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to get out of their grace. Then he'd quiet everybody down. He said, hold on. What about this other casket? Didn't open. Bob, are you in there? Jim, are you in there? No sound. He preached the fact that the trumpet's going to sound, but not everybody's getting out of their grave. Only the dead in Christ are going to come up out of their graves. One thing I better be sure of before Jesus comes is I'm ready to see him when he comes. I want to be ready to see him. See, there's people gambling with their future. There's literally people that are, that are gambling with their eternity. I'll tell you what, if I was not saved, I would get saved. <laughs> I would get saved. Knowing how close we are to the coming of Christ. You know, we're so close. Somebody asked me one time, they said, do you really believe that we're in the last days? I said, no. I believe we're in the last minutes of the last day. It's like my uncle Tiff Shuttlesworth who preaches Bible prophecy often. Somebody asked him one time, they said, how close do you really think we are to the rapture, Brother Tiff? He said, how close? He said, I believe we're so close to the rapture that I don't even buy green bananas. Don't even buy green bananas. They asked Billy Graham one time before he passed away. A reporter came to him. They said, you know, Brother Graham, you've been preaching for 60-some years that Jesus is coming soon and that you've been watching for him to come. He said, are you really still watching for him after 60? And they're kind of mocking him, you know. You still watching for him after 60-some years? And Brother Graham just shook his head no. Ooh, now the reporter thought he had a story can see the headline already. Billy Graham no longer watching for the Lord to come. He said, you're not? He said, tell me more about that. You're not watching for the Lord to come? He said, no, I'm not. He said, now we're so close, I'm listening for him. Hallelujah. I'm listening for him. And I want you to stand on your feet all over this house. 
I can sense the presence of the Lord in this place. I want you to bow your head. First thing I'm going to pray. Maybe you're in this church tonight and hear what I'm saying. You're not ready to see Jesus when he comes. The gospel is the force that draws you to Christ. You can't just get decide to be saved. The Bible said no man can be saved unless the Spirit draws him. The gospel is the force that draws you in. I want you to bow your head. Please, nobody moving around. This is a very important part of this service and every service. If Christ came tonight, do you know that your life is right before him? That you could look him in the eye and know that he's your Savior and that he's your Lord? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if the trumpet sounded, you'd be ready to see the Lord and meet him in the air? If not, don't leave this service tonight without knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you're ready to see Jesus when he comes. Huh. You might be in here and say, you know, at one time I was really living for the Lord. Now, I don't know, it's just not the same. I've, I've stopped serving him the way I used to serve him. Don't let sin destroy your life. Get rid of sin before sin gets rid of you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus is coming so soon. If you're not ready, you can be ready tonight. Because the Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And if you're here, you say, Brother Ted, that's me. I need to make all things new. I need to know that from this night forward, my sins are forgiven and that I'm ready to see Jesus when he comes. We're going to pray this prayer. If you're here and you say, that's me, I need to pray that prayer with you. I need to know that my life is right with God. Right where you're standing, lift your hand and hold it high right where you are. I see it here, here, here. Who else? You say, I want to pray this prayer of salvation back in the back. Who else? Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Over here, I see you. God bless you. Who else? Tonight's your night to make all things new. Most important moment of your entire life. Making sure your life is right with God. Here's what I want you to do. They're going to worship in just a moment. Those of you, if you lifted your hand, take a step of faith and get out of your seat and come stand with me at this altar. Come quickly and come now. Come, come, come. Quickly. If you raised your hand, get out of your seat and come. If you stood next to somebody that raised their hand, tell them, I'll walk with you. But don't miss this moment. Come quickly. Come on, come on. Come. Come. Jesus is calling. God bless you. Come on. If you raised your hand. See, this is why it's important that we make an acknowledgement. Bible says, Jesus said this, If you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father in heaven. God bless you. Come on. Come on up. God bless you. Anybody else that lifted your hand, get out of your seat and come to God's altar. Jesus is calling. Feel the anointing. Things are turning for our good in Jesus' name. Turning in our favor in Jesus' name. A few more moments. Let the Lord work on you. He's calling you. I tell people this. When Jesus calls you, don't hit the red decline button on the call. Answer the call. He may not call again, but he's calling tonight, calling out to men and women. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Ten more seconds. Don't miss your moment. There are others. You raised your hand. Come. Answer the call of God. Answer the call of God. Five seconds. We're going to pray. Don't miss it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. We call it the prayer of salvation. I don't call it the sinner's prayer. I call it the prayer of salvation. Because from this night forward, all things are being made new. I want you to say this with me boldly, with a loud voice. Let the Lord know you mean business tonight. Pray this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for sending your son to die for me. And I ask you now, forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Give me the power to live for you for the rest of my life until I die or until you come. I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe you raised him from the dead. From this night forward, I am a new person. I'm a child of God. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, Lord, I pray you fill every one of these with the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. Protect them supernaturally. In Jesus' wonderful name. Lord, I pray no evil thing come near their dwelling place. Use them in this final generation to make an impact in the kingdom of God. We thank you. We give you praise. Is this your daughter? Lift your hands. God's touching you. God's going to bless your family. God's going to bless your household. Things that the enemy tried to do to destroy your home, almost like he tried to tear it apart. And there be a, it seems like there's been a struggle and a heaviness that's laid on your shoulders. But tonight, by the power of the Holy Ghost, it's being lifted off. God's going to bless you and bless your family. Things will never be the same after tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Put your hands on your belly. That's where the spirit of man is. Fire of God come upon her tonight in Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus' name. your hands all over this house. God's touching people. Fresh fire of God. Fresh fire of God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Eric, do we have anything to give them? Brother John, would you, we want to just give you a gift. This is Brother John right here. Would you just follow him real quickly and allow him, he want to give you a gift before you return to your seat. And say, welcome to the family of God. We love you. God bless you. God bless you. It's nice to meet you. God bless you. Lift your hands all over this house. The presence of the Lord is here right now. Father, we thank you for your anointing. Step out right here. There's a new anointing coming on you now. I saw it. You're going to run with a new fire like you never have in 2021. 
and you'll see it begin to take off in these last three months. Building, 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 building in the Holy Ghost. Building, building, building. Signs, wonders, and miracles. You'll see them begin to pop like popcorn. Everywhere you look, everywhere you turn, signs, wonders, miracles <laughs> in the Holy Ghost. It's going to be glorious. You're going to look back over the year and laugh at all that God did in one year. <laughs> Fire of the Holy Ghost come upon him tonight in Jesus' name. I loose it. Signs, wonders, miracles. Things are breaking through, breaking loose. <laughs> breaking loose, breaking loose, breaking loose. Lift your hands all over this house. God's moving by his spirit. Rose brande le tiche, bravatelo. Rocazele be free and a maroco stada. Rederise bracata. Glory, glory. Refreshing touch comes upon you tonight. In Jesus' name. Lift those hands, brother. There's been several different directions that you could go, options. The Lord's getting ready to make the way known to you. The Word of God says, Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. If you'll hear his voice, he's taking you the direction. He's taking you in the right direction that'll have provision attached to it. That provision is so supernatural, others will say, man, how in the world did he step into that? How'd he get that? And I tell you ahead of time, there'll be some that'll say, oh, he's doing crooked stuff. There's no way he could have that kind of increase. But you just laugh as God takes you through into the next level of blessing. And I tell you, the struggle is over in Jesus' name. And the blessing of God that makes rich and adds no sorrow unto it comes upon you this night. <laughs> Supernatural provision. In Jesus' mighty name. Glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Receive it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Lift those hands one more moment. Presence of the Lord is here. Thank you, Lord. What song is that one? Let's sing it. I like that song. Come on. Yes. Glory to God.
that God's put in your spirit, it's not there for no reason. God has a plan to increase you. God has a plan to bless you. But most importantly, God has a plan to use you. And I see you operating, and this is just how I would describe it. It almost is like God's going to use you like a Holy Ghost Special Forces unit to go into places nobody else could get, to do things nobody else is willing to do because he knows you're willing to do it, knows that you'll step out when other people won't step out because there's a fire in your spirit that he put there for his glory and his purpose. And so from this day, a new anointing comes into your spirit and doors are opening for you but they'll look different than what other people have seen or said because these are doors that God can only trust you with because others wouldn't be willing. But God's going to not only give you the equipment, He's going to give you the strategies, and He's going to give you the entrance, and you'll be able to go in just like a special forces unit and accomplish the purpose. Ha, 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 ha. Woo! New anointing. Fire of the Holy Ghost come upon Him tonight. Fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. Never the same. Never the same. Come on. Right here. Oh, Jesus, you change everything. Come on, lift it, lift it, lift it. Jesus, yeah. upon your life. I'm sure you know that. Very amazing what the Lord's going to use you to do. Save lives. And I don't just mean save them from hell, but obviously you will. But I mean there's even those that are around you and have been drawn to you that otherwise would be dead without the anointing that's on your life. And it's the strength of the anointing. I've seen God doing this. I've seen it in other places, and he's doing it in you. He's putting a deliverance anointing upon your life that even those that would battle severe anxiety and depression and fear and suicidal thoughts, those things are going to be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. As you lay your hands on those people, you get ready. For they're drawn, drawn, drawn to where you are. <laughs> Sometimes they'll even talk to you and say, well, man, you're just so easy to talk to, and I feel so good when I talk to you. I don't know. I say, but that's the Holy Ghost. That's the anointing of God that's upon your life. And from this night forward, you'll even have more of an attraction. They'll come right to where you are. And that anointing of the Holy Ghost will save them from death. For depression will have to leave. Anxiety will have to go. Suicidal thoughts will have to go. And from this night forward, that power of God's delivering anointing is upon you. 
Put your hands on your belly. Spirit of man is there. Fire of the Holy Ghost come upon her tonight. Fresh anointing of God. Poste cria maroche brande gria. Solo ramandatike prafastonai. Filled with the mighty power of God. And you'll see it quickly come to pass. Quickly come to pass. In Jesus' name. Quickly come to pass. Amen. Lift your hands. And come through here. Hallelujah. Ha, 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 ha. Every hurt is healed, says the Lord. For there are even things that you didn't even, you shouldn't have had to go through or deal with or face, but the enemy tried to launch an attack. He thought, are you serious? This is really, I got to deal with this now. And, I gotta deal. and the Lord said, I'm healing every hurt, everything that tried to present it to you as a heaviness upon your life. It lifts off tonight in Jesus' name. And a new peace and a new joy in the Holy Ghost, like you've never sensed or felt, is coming upon you. Everything's changing for the better in Jesus' name. Everything's changing for the better. Everything's changing for the better. Receive that. Everything's changing for the better in the mighty name of Jesus. The struggle is over. The struggle is over in Jesus' mighty name. Would you sing it one more time? Lift your hands one more time. Jesus, you change everything. Come on, one more time. Say it. Yeah. Oh, Paridi Shepamba Rodo. Oh, Jesus, you change everything. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Come upon it. In Jesus' mighty name. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. I just felt the Holy Ghost say it. If you're believing for a miracle, there's something you've set your faith for, you need the help of God. I feel the anointing right now to loose miracles on God's people. I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar. You're saying, I'm believing for something that it's going to have to be God to turn it around. God's going to have to come through. I need a supernatural divine intervention. I'm believing for supernatural divine intervention. Tonight's our night to receive. I said, tonight's our night to receive. Tonight's our night to receive. Hallelujah. Lift your hands, Pastor. The church will experience an influx. But I tell you this, there's even provision you've been waiting on to do some things that you're wanting to do. And God said, that's going to come in. And the, it won't be a struggle. Or a, how are we going to get this to happen? we got to push it through. It's going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. You'll step into it. You won't feel the weight of it. You won't feel the stress of it. You won't feel the strain of it. You won't have to come home and say, I, want, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how that's going to happen. God said he's going to open up the way supernaturally and pour out blessing that you don't have room enough to contain. It'll be overflowing blessing.
<laughs> it'll be overflowing provision that's coming upon you. And it'll ramp up October, ramp up November, ramp up December. And you'll cross over into a new year laughing. And 2021, you're going to run. <laughs> 2021, you're going to run. Fire of the Holy Ghost come upon him tonight. <laughs> going to run in 2021. You know this man? <laughs> Lift your, that's your boyfriend? Lift your, I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. Lift your hands. <laughs> I'll tell you. A new peace comes upon you. A new peace. For even some of these things y'all been believing for, the enemy's tried to use that to attack your mind. I say, well, that's, that's a hard way. That's a hard thing to do. It's a hard way to go. But I'm going to tell you something. God's going to make it easy. <laughs> he said, are there any among you weary and heavy laden? Come unto me and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Huh. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. What's his yoke? What is it? Light. It's easy. It's easy. And it's light. It's easy and it's light. It's easy and it's light. It's easy. Ha <laughs> And it's light. Oh, she brado rama kestindene. I declare it from this night, whatever it is the enemy's tried to use to hold back the provision of God from this ministry and this vision, I Break it tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. Ha, ha, ha. I loose it. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Easy and light. Fire of God. Fire of God. New anointing comes upon you. A new fire in your belly. You'll preach this gospel with a new and a fresh fervor. And the word will go forth out of your mouth. Miracles begin to happen before you even lay hands. You just get a word come back while you, Pastor, while you were preaching, that thing just left my body. While you were preaching, my ear came open. While you were preaching, I felt that thing turn around. In one moment, the word goes forth and the word performs. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. And He's sending people to help you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Lift your hands all over this house. We're going to lay hands on God's people as we worship. But hear me. Set your faith right now. Maybe you're watching online. Am I in the center or on the side? Where am I at? On the center. You might be watching online. Say, listen, I need a miracle where I'm at. I need God to touch me where I am. The same anointing that's here can be transferred to where you are. Jesus sent the word. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. So before we pray for God's precious people that are in this house tonight, we're going to stand in faith for you that are watching and ask the Lord that no matter what it is you're going through, what it is you're battling, from this night forward it turns around by the power of God. So in the mighty name that's above every name, that is Jesus, I declare over every person that's watching, whatever it is the enemy has used to bind you up, I rebuke it in Jesus' name, commanded to loose its grip off of your life. Sickness, go. Disease, go. Poverty, go. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thought, go in Jesus' name. Lord, I lose healing. I lose deliverance. I lose peace, joy. I lose provision in the mighty name of Jesus. Open the windows of heaven over God's people tonight and pour them out a blessing that they don't have room enough to contain. And if you believe it here in this house, clap your hands and give God a shout of praise.
Come on, let's worship the Lord.
Come on, lift your hands. Every hand lifted. Somebody say, he's the only one that can do it. Lift those hands all over this house. Father, we thank you for your wonder-working power. Miracles, the signs, the wonders. We thank you that our prayers are coming to pass. Lord, what we stand and believe, we shall receive. (laughs) Every door has to swing wide open by the power of God. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you're touching America, that we'll see the greatest days we've ever seen in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. If you believe you receive it tonight, shout aloud, amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand if you love him. You can be seated. In a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed by faith tonight. But let me encourage you for a second. Very interesting. I saw... That story in Luke 5 of Peter, when he let Jesus use his boat to preach the gospel. Peter was not yet a disciple, may not have even really known Jesus, but when Jesus stepped in and said, let me use it, Peter said, it's all yours, Lord. One thing I can be sure of, when you allow God to use what's yours, it always ends up in a divine thank you. Hallelujah. And he said, now that I'm done preaching, push out into the deep a little bit and let down your net for a catch. He said, well, Lord, I fished all night long, but at your word. There's the key again. At your word. And when he let his net down, the Bible says such a catch of fish jumped into the net, his ship began to sink. Oh, hallelujah. And then he called for his friends to come help him. And they brought their boat over, and he started dumping the excess into their boat and their boat began to sink (laughs) catch this his friends didn't do anything to bring the provision they were just his friends what I'm telling you is you're going to be so blessed by your obedience that there's people around you that will experience the excess of your blessing and be overwhelmingly touched by the power of God when you sow by faith when you release It causes a reaction in the Holy Ghost. Harvests have to come when seeds go out. The harvest always answers the seed. Always. And here's what I'm encouraging you tonight. We're going to pray in just a moment. The Lord will speak to you and give you an instruction. It's always that instruction that brings you into a place of of provision. Say this with me. My instruction brings me into my provision. The instruction takes you into blessing. That's why we need to hear from him always. Because he's taking us into the greatest things we've ever seen. And our obedience takes us there. Bow your head if you would. Father, speak to every man and every woman. Give us an instruction from heaven. We thank you, Lord, that tonight as we get ready to sow this seed by faith, harvests are quickly coming back. We expect to receive them. In Jesus' name, we will walk in the overflow. The more than enough, not the just enough, the more than enough. We thank you, Lord, that you're not just going to provide our needs, but you're going to take us into a place of abundance. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you thanks and praise. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. Amen. Grab an envelope in your hand. If you're making out a check tonight, please make it payable to the church. Of course, you can give by cash or check in the envelope. I'm sure there's a place for credit card and debit card on the envelope. If you can also give by text message, 
instructions are on the screen or if you have a smartphone you'd like to use the website to sow your seed you can do that as well all the information is there on the screen and uh, as you're doing that let me just quickly mention again don't forget before you go grab a magazine with you take it home take a stop and look at some of the things we brought to build your faith there's all kinds of books available one of the ones that stirred me up I wrote it after 9-11 took place and it's literally the same thing has become relevant again because remember after 9-11 people a spirit of fear swept through America and the book is called Blood on the Door The Protective Power of Covenant and that protective power is available for you can you say amen a lot of those things available for you to build your faith stop there on your way out we're going to be back here again tomorrow night final night of this week here at this location and then of course Thursday night we'll be in Kenton but I'm telling you I'm excited tomorrow night Tuesday night 7 p.m. bring somebody with you that needs a touch from God bring somebody that doesn't know Jesus how many believe you friends will be saved your family will be saved anybody believing for household salvation children grandchildren fathers mothers sisters brothers can you believe that by the end of this year, God will do it for you? How many can believe that? That by the time this year comes to an end, we can declare, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Amen. When you're ready to give, stand on your feet. Lift your offering to the Lord, whether that's on your phone, envelope, text message, whatever it is. Father, we thank you for your faithful people. Thank you for every seed that's being sown. We thank you that tonight as the seed goes out, that it's already coming back as a harvest we ask you, Lord, let there be quick harvest. Send your angels now to go and bring us the harvest that's coming to us. For there's work to be done, and time is short. We thank you, Lord, for it. We give you praise and glory. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen. 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 Come on and give tonight. You're dismissed. We love you. We'll see you again tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Come on, let's sing it. <laughs>